Hello, I'm Doug Martin. And I'm Tasha Martin. Together, we share the joy of personal relationship with Jesus, marriage, children, and serving Vision Church in Lake Worth as pastors. Well, as the worship leader, I just want to invite you to come and worship with us. Well, something special happens when you come into the presence of God and His people in worship. As the lead pastor, I want to invite you to a very friendly and warm church that has a vision that it wants to share with everyone, seeing Jesus for us, in us, and through us. We're glad that you've decided to listen to our podcast, and I hope that if you're close enough to visit, you'll come by at 9.45 a.m. on Sunday morning, and after the service, say hello to us in the foyer. We would love to meet you. You can also connect with us at visionchurch.ag, on Facebook at agvisionchurch.ag, and on YouTube by searching for Vision Church Assembly of God. Here's my husband Doug preaching a message from Sunday. Welcome to the 4th of July. Here we are, and we evidently have a son of the 4th of July. I'm wondering if Steve was born on the 4th of July. As we're gathered here on this day, and we're, some of us are getting ready to go out and see some fireworks or set off some fireworks, hopefully legally, to enjoy some time with family and enjoy our holiday, we focus on the idea of freedom. We let that lyric constantly come into our our songs of Americana that says, let freedom ring. It's this idea of freedom. People are called and drawn towards freedom. Our country's been referred to as a city on a hill or the last best hope of humanity. And what is it that is really our leading light? What is it that's out there on the edge of the darkness? What is it that causes people to get into a rubber boat and go across the Straits of Florida and risk shark attack in order to get to the shore? It's that light of freedom. It's that sense of being free. Have you noticed that people aren't trying to break into the Soviet Union They're not trying to break into the uh, communist-run Chinese country. Things have to be really bad for you to be trying to break into China or Russia or some other places. They have boundaries to keep people in, not keep people out. We have to have walls that help to serve people over to doors and to come in properly so that they can come and enjoy freedom not because we want to minimize it and we don't want the world to be free but there's a management that has to happen there's a transition that has to happen where people are transformed and changed and come to freedom something i want to say before i forget is two things i looked up at the announcements oops that was last week's announcements and paul is not going to have games again this week and so after the service if you'd uh, find pastor steve Uh, he can probably give you some details of what's going on and they're going to be waving a flag evidently but he's waving the flag to let you know where he is and we can find out what's going on and I apologize for that we had somebody off on vacation put a placeholder in there didn't get the latest and greatest information updated before they left we're going to let them remain nameless (laughs) but everybody knows it's not anybody's fault really and so I apologize for that I did want to let you know, all men, that next Sunday night at 6 o'clock, we're going to be meeting at Ray Trevino's house. We're going to make Melinda hide somewhere so we don't see her. Even Can't even see her. It's a men-only thing, 
and uh, we're going to have a, a, a time of barbecue or cooking on the grills. There's going to be some cornhole and uh, some chipping. Those of us that like golf, maybe some chipping contests can go on. Horseshoes, just give us a good time to get together and have fellowship. Normally, we have every Sunday afternoon a Bible study, and we're just looking for a way to have a good time together as a bunch of guys. We're going to do that in July. Now, in August, we're looking at doing this. We're looking on a Monday evening, all the guys getting together and going to Texas Motor Speedway for a dirt track race. We'll not be out there racing on the dirt track. We'll simply be watching as the professionals are doing that. All of us pretending we could be out there too and leading the race. And so we're just looking for opportunities to get together as a bunch of guys, build relationships and community together as we walk together with the Lord and each other. Amen? All right. So all the ladies, if you want to come up with something this summer, that's your business. No pressure. (laughs) That's something that we're going to do as guys on next Sunday. Now I want to get back into the message as we look at the idea of freedom. Everybody say freedom. 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 Now you'll notice that this has seven letters in it. And so I'm going to take each of those letters, preach an hour on each letter, step into a time machine and compress it down to just a couple minutes. And uh, we want to look at this idea of freedom, this principle of freedom, and when we do, we have to realize that we, we live in a parable. How many of you have ever heard of what a parable is? A parable is a story, and most commonly we understand it as the stories that Jesus told in order to convey important principles of the kingdom of heaven, using everyday things that everyone can relate to. Since I'm speaking to an American audience here in this church, and even better than that, we're Texans, Right? right here in Fort Worth, Texas. And as we think of and consider this idea of freedom, we're living in a parable. We're living in a nation which has made personal liberty, personal freedom. It has not only made it important, but it has enshrined it into its laws so that that this idea of an individual's freedom, this idea that God or the divine mind or the author of the universe and there was a couple ways of approaching it amongst the deistic and the Christian founders they all agreed that this had not come about by accident that there was an uncaused causer there was a first principle there was some something someone has provided for us these certain principles and they felt that this idea was freedom was given to each individual and they loaned it to their government and if they loaned it that meant they could they could call it due they could take it back the election and the balloting process was a way of ensuring that this freedom which was personal and invested in a group of people called the government we the people in order to form a more perfect that we can pull it back and give it that we can select others and we can and all for this reason so that freedom can continue to ring so that freedom can be maximized for the most people. And we understand that living in this parable of the United States of America, that even though freedom was declared, it has taken a while for some people to realize that freedom. That we established at the very beginning by imperfect men this idea that there was this perfect principle called freedom and that it would be set up in such a way as that eventually 
everyone could benefit from it, even if it meant the undoing of some of the systems which had perpetuated anything less than freedom. Martin Luther King Jr. assured us that there was something that we had been promised, he said, as a people, but we are here to lay claim to that which has been promised to us by the Constitution of the United States of America, that all men are created equal and they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights and amongst them is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What do we find right there in the mix? Liberty. Another word for that, a perfect synonym. Freedom. Everybody say freedom. Freedom. And so as we are living out that parable, how many of you know that we're not in a perfect country? That we're not amongst the perfect people? And in fact, we are trying to constantly work on doing it better. But we are living with this concept that binds everybody together on unique in all of human history and in all of the political structures on the planet today and it's this idea of freedom so first things where does this freedom come from second corinthians chapter 3 verse 17 says where the spirit of the lord is there is what freedom and this is like a first thing This is like one of the first obvious evidences. This is so obvious that even pagans can figure it out. People who have no religious background, people with no spiritual understanding, and I I believe that everybody has this desire in them. Everyone is yearning to be free. People just inherently know they want to be free. Young people want to be free. They have a feeling in them that there is an opportunity here that I can get out here and I can be my own person, I can do my own thing, but what we're doing is we're coaching and mentoring them in the church and in their families that we can't just go out and just do our own thing. We do what we do in the light of other people and this idea of freedom, managing that and walking that out. And this comes from the fountainhead. This comes from the very Spirit of God. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. The most out here on the edge, everybody gets it. There is something they desire, and that is freedom. Now we find that angels and Adam, first encounter with God is what? Choice. Isn't that interesting? Angels had to make a choice. Adam and Eve had to make a choice. They had to express the principle of freedom and do it in the best way. Now, how many of you know that some people express freedom, but they do it in inappropriate ways? They do it without regard to other people. Here's the choice to Adam. Of all the trees, you may freely eat. There's the word free. And where is it? In the first command of God, he says, of all the trees you may freely eat. He grants him freedom, freedom of choice, freedom of variety. There are many different trees. Aren't you glad God didn't just create one kind of fruit tree? Why? Because different people have different tastes, don't they? And you can even, have you ever gotten into an argument with somebody over taste? Oh, look, you'll love this. Here, let me put some on your plate. 
Oh, no, I don't think so. I don't like that kind of food. I don't like that. Well, here, no, just try it. And then when you try it, you've decided, yep, I was right the first time. I don't like that. Now I'm even more confident that I don't like that. We have this idea of choice that's presented to us. And to Adam, God said, of all the trees, you may freely eat. I like that. Then what does he say? Except for the tree that is in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And where do we find Adam and Eve? Next scene. We find them at the tree they're not supposed to be at because they want a complete freedom without any restriction. And how many of you know that just doesn't work? There has to be a mitigated freedom. There has to be some boundaries, and God gives them the boundary. First of all, you may eat freely of all the trees except for this one. Now, this is such an important principle. God is so committed to freedom that this is what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter 5, verse number 1, the very first part of it. He says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Let me phrase that a little bit differently. It is for simply the sake of freedom. Freedom is so important, integral, and part of God because this is his nature is to be free and to set free. This is God's undeniable nature and is for that sake of freedom, which is the character and aspect of God's nature that Christ has brought us into what? Freedom. What happens when a person is set free by the blood of Jesus, when he is encountered by the convicting of the Holy Spirit and comes to the grace of God in repentance and salvation occurs in their spirit and now they're born again and now they move into a position of what? Continually expanding their freedom. Kind of reminds me of our country. It began in the idea of freedom and yet has been living a parable of going on to discover just the ramifications of that freedom, some of the pitfalls of that freedom, some of the difficulties of that freedom, some of the injustices that can happen in the name of freedom. But we find ourselves living out that story now for what, 245 years? It is for freedom or the sake of freedom. It's for the idea of freedom that Christ has set us free. First principles, God is concerned about freedom and the plan of salvation is all about making free. You can listen to the words of Jesus as he goes to his baptism. And he talks about the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he quotes from Isaiah chapter 61. And he says, he has anointed me to do what? To proclaim liberty to the captives. This is first things. This is first principle. First things first. It is for freedom that Christ has made us free. So then we can go on to the next letter, R, revealer. Freedom is a revealer. Freedom can be thought of as a light, can't it? We talk about the United States and being that last great light, that last great hope of humanity. We heard President Ronald Reagan and various other would work that into their speeches and talk about a thousand points of light, which was George H.W. Bush, number 41, president number 41. Ronald Reagan talked about the last best hope that was this city that was on a hill, that we stand in the world very unique. Why? Because of the commitment 
to freedom. But this light of freedom is also a revealer. Listen to what Peter says. He says, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Now, has our country fallen prey to that? Have we had people in our country fall prey to in the name of freedom enslaving others? Absolutely. Mistreating others? Absolutely. This is the story of humanity. At the very first blush of light, this is the light of freedom. But how do we deal with the, this newfound freedom? We know as parents raising children, they, we're actually working and equipping them to handle freedom how to manage freedom, because this is a powerful commodity. This is a powerful entity in somebody's life. And so he says, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover up for evil. Don't say, well, I'm free to do this. Well, Christ has set me free, so now I can do that because I'm a free person. No, he says, here's the answer. Live as God's slaves. How many of you know that's a pretty good gig? Living as God's slave. The Apostle Paul would use that word throughout his writings. He would use a word, a doulos. This is the nondescript servant that hardly anybody sees and yet gets all the work done. Everybody just takes for granted this kind of servant who's cleaning the house, serving the meals, and doing everything, but by the time the guests arrive is not seen. Much like children of another age, they were seen but not heard. The harshest kind of do-law slave was the imagery of being in a galley. That was somebody who was in the depths of the boat pulling on the oars. And there was a cadence and a drum beaten, and in the darkness of the depths of the ship, they would be pulling on that in unison, and they were providing the motor for that craft upon the sea. You didn't have to rely upon the sails didn't have to rely upon the wind. It had human power, and that's the very image of that slave, that servant that the Apostle Paul was talking about. Somebody who will get in the depths of the boat where nobody can see and nobody can know, and they live as free people and yet put their hands and their shoulders to something that is valuable for everybody else. We're in the freedom business but we don't look to ourselves for that freedom. We look to God, and we don't look to ourselves to enjoy that freedom. We look to maximize it to everybody else. Freedom allows the heart to be revealed. The real nature of a person is revealed in freedom. You know, one of the toughest things that we have to deal with in regard to the prison population is something called recidivism. How many of you like that word? Say that 10 times fast. That'll really cleanse your palate. That might even remove plaque. Recidivism. This propensity for somebody who has been living a life of crime, usually because, usually because of broken family situation and broken relationship between parents, most often the father, find themselves under the control and leadership of other alpha males and then find themselves living outside of the law in the name of freedom. And they find themselves breaking law, being found guilty, and put into the system. And once they find themselves into the system, they're told when to, and here's the irony, they're told when to get up, 
when to go eat, what they can do and how long they can do it, and everything is scheduled for them from 7 a.m. until lights out at 10 p.m. They fall into, they have no choice but to be herded into a lack of freedom. They have, in the name of freedom, found themselves imprisoned, and they find themselves living that out. Not uncommon at all for them to begin to discover or rediscover a Bible, begin to pray, find other guys to talk to. There's others who were in there that were living in the name of freedom and found themselves on the other side of the law, and now they had gotten together. But the day comes when they finish their sentence, and they are released again to the outside. And anybody who's been any time a guard and watching human people in there, and, and they can get so pessimistic too, they say, how long will it be before he's back? How long before he's back? If they notice who has visited him, who hasn't visited him, they've noticed what kind of letters come and what letters don't come, what kind of speech is said about the father or the mother or the family, whether or not they respond and go to the church service. Do they go to the church service because it's a breakup of the day of their monotony on Sunday? Or is it because there's something in them that has come alive and they found that the one who really grants freedom is Jesus Christ? And at the end of that road, those guards, those chaplains, those counselors can look at them and say, give him six months, two, two years at max. Because there's something that hasn't happened when they've been deprived of their freedom. They've seen that the real nature of the person is not only revealed in the captivity, but it's really revealed in their freedom. Now they don't have to answer to the guards. They don't have a schedule. And they find themselves in the middle of freedom, swimming in an ocean of freedom, where everybody says, it's your life, do what you want. And guess what's happened? Something hasn't happened in their heart and they find themselves going back to the same old friends, the same old lifestyle, the same old bad decisions, and they find themselves cycling back up in front of the same judge, riding in the same van back to the same institution, and going, how did I get here? Freedom has revealed your heart. Freedom has said something to you about your heart, and it says that your nature needs to be changed. Freedom tends to bring out the real nature of a person to play, and it's a revealer. Letter E, exceptional. Have you ever heard of American exceptionalism? In our modern historical time, there are a lot of historians or modern historians that resent deeply that term because basically many people don't understand what it means to say that there is such a thing as American exceptionalism. This is not simply pride in your team. This is not simply pride in your country. Because if you said it was that, then you could say, well, Germany has a sense of exceptionalism, and Great Britain has a sense of exceptionalism, and Japan has a sense of exceptionalism. But it's a very specific technical term, which means we have arisen amongst all the countries of the earth under very different circumstances in that other countries have chosen a way of revolution and they have ended with up to a hundred different changes in their constitution and constant revolution and no stability in their country. But what makes America so different? It's because America didn't get a hold of a human concept of liberty. But it consulted the scripture and had clergymen and leadership in its country and had a deep backbone of spiritual Christian ethics, which said, wait a minute, 
This concept of freedom is more than just your plain vanilla desire to wish that your, your parents didn't tell you what to do and wish you didn't have magistrates or a king or somebody to impose their will on you. But there is a fundamental biblical reason that there is freedom. And it has to do with the nature and character of God. One of the political scientists of the day that was studying America, a Frenchman, was wrote extensively in his diaries and then published a work based upon his studies of America. And he says, America is great because the secret of America is found in her many churches that are filled on Sunday. And the very same people who fill those churches on Sunday are are busy in the town halls of the country. And as long as America is good, America will be great. But when America ceases to be good, America will also cease to be great. This was a secular humanist. This was not a deeply religious person. This was the, the product of the French Revolution and the European Enlightenment. And he would write two volumes about this, and he understood this concept. This is what makes America exceptional because of her deep commitment and her deep connection to the vitality of freedom. This has made her exceptional. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. Isn't that pretty cut and dried? That will undermine your exceptionalism every time, won't it? When you get down in the muck and the mire of sin, you're going to be controlled. It. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Is Jesus a realist or is he a pessimist? Does Jesus understand the nature of sin and the nature of the world and the nature of the enemy? Or is he simply pessimistic about the possibilities of man and, and man in the light of God's word and God's love? He's a realist. We know that we are children of God. There's a contrast here. Those that are born again are who? The children of God. But those that are not born again, they are not the children of God, and they find themselves under the control of the evil one. If we understand this, we understand the following point. Freedom is exceptional in the world. Why is American freedom a different brand? Historically, I'm not saying we're doing all that great today, but I'm saying historically, what trajectory, what road was traveled? And it was the idea not merely of religion. It was the idea of people who were in prayer meetings and in churches committed to the word of God and living out the word of God in everyday American life, finding no separation between church and state, where their relationship with God was expected to seep into their political affiliations and what they taught and what they proposed and what they voted for. Freedom is exceptional in the world. And if we're not careful, freedom is becoming exceptional in the United States. We're seeing freedoms being eroded. And what's taking its places? Laws. A multiplicity of laws. All kinds of strange laws where people are putting their nose into everybody's business, where 24-hour, seven-day-a-week surveillance is going to become a normal. Why? Because people aren't being responsible within their freedom they're getting outside of the lines 
And as a result, that exceptionalism is under threat. But this American exceptionalism I'm talking about is an expression of that idea right there. This is what makes us exceptional, and that was the quantity of Americans, not because they were forced by law or expected by society, but because they were raised in the fear of the Lord, because they believed that Jesus was indeed born amongst the lilies across the sea, that he had promised a salvation for us, and that that should transform our world. That should transform our expectation. That should transform the way that we lived. They, they can answer that question, how shall we then live? And that is if we believe we have a freedom guaranteed by Christ in God, that we should then translate that into what does that look like Monday through Saturday? What does that look like in our everyday life? What does that look like in our courts? What does that look like in our laws? What does that look like in our legislatures? This was the great exceptionalism. Freedom is also a great equalizer. The equalizer. How many of you like that? After all, we want it to be equal. Did you ever have to have to? I said that word on purpose. Did you ever have to share something with a sibling? You got that candy bar? Oh, Lord, let mom, let mom be in a good mood today because she's going to bring the knife down and she's going to divide that in half. She's calling it in half. She called that a half. But I can clearly see that my side of the candy bar is one thirty-second of an inch shorter than that of my cousin or that of my sister. There has been a division here, but it's not fair. Freedom is the great equalizer. It doesn't take people and push them down. Here's what it does. It lifts people up. It has a way of taking the least and the greatest and putting them on an even playing field, not because it pushes the greatest down, but because it lifts the least up. It's not the lowest common denominator. It's the greatest common factor. It lifts people to a level and equalizes them. This is how it was embodied in one of our founding documents. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created. Notice those words. Not happenstantial, just happened on the scene, accidentally came here. All men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their creator, not the government, but by their creator, with certain unalienable rights that amongst these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This is the idea. The outcome cannot be determined by the law, cannot be determined by the principle of freedom, but the opportunity is made available to everybody. And don't you love to see those stories of somebody who just one generation ago found themselves on a raft bound together and braving certain death across the Florida Straits or uh, some other place, some other tributary, some other situation. They were cast out from their country. They were hunted. They had found that they had had a, a right or an ability to come here, and the doors were open to them, and they just had to make it. They came not knowing the language, having $80 in their pocket of American money, and wondering what to do next. And then finding somebody who took them in, somebody who was related to them, somebody that was a person of faith that opened up an institution to them. And they learned the language, learned the culture, 
came through K through 12, they finished and they went on to graduate school, they finished that and they find themselves as being one of the top neurosurgeons. They find themselves maybe being elected to Congress and their story is my parents could not speak the language, did not know the culture. I was raised in the language and the culture and my parents expected that of me and they supported me and now I stand before this group of people representing them in the U.S. Congress, maybe as a senator, maybe as a congressperson, maybe as a state senator or state house representative, finding themselves moving from the least to a wonderful position. How did they even dream they could have done that? It is not because they were guaranteed that dream. They were simply guaranteed the opportunity to proceed to proceed that direction without anybody getting in their way and stopping them by the course of law. Isn't that great? Why don't you applaud the idea of freedom in that sense? And here's what we are given, is we are given the right to pursue. We're given the right to go after. We're, we can't be deprived of life or property without due process of law. We can't be, no one can stand in our way legally. We simply have to go after it. Nobody said it would be easy, but it would be guaranteed as an opportunity. It's a great equalizer. I love those stories. We've also seen people who have started out great, had every opportunity and every resource, squandered it all, and found themselves dead last on the lowest rung of humanity. Why? That wealth and that family prestige didn't guarantee them anything. They had the freedom to fritter it away, and they did. And they went to the bottom while somebody else rose to the top simply because they had what? Freedom. Freedom. Now, it needs to be defended. How many of you know freedom's not free? Life has to be laid down to secure freedom. That's why I continually say that the red of that flag, which was talking about courage, and the ultimate act of courage was to be wounded in defending the liberties of others, whether it be a fist fight or a gun fight or a knife fight or a battle, a pitched battle by opposing forces. We, in fact, we have a book entitled The Red Badge of Courage. This is the color of freedom. Freedom requires the cost of human life, the willingness to hazard one, to bleed. It may not mean death, but it certainly means the offering of blood, putting one's life on the line for somebody else. It has to be defended. That's, that Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 goes on to say, not only it is for freedom that Christ has set us free, stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Here's the warning. Freedom is God's idea. God has done everything to grant to you freedom. Now here's what you have to do. Here's what's up to you, even as a believer. And what is it? Stand firm then. And you know what that is? That's a call to battle. That is not prop up the lazy boy. That is not put your feet up and get a, a, a glass of your favorite beverage. No, that is stand firm, meaning engage, take your footing, and be ready because you need to defend this ground that you have taken. 
Freedom is not free. It has to be defended. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. That's so true for believers, isn't it? Because that's the game of the enemy. The game of the enemy is I may not stop you from being born again. But once you have become born again, there is a walk of faith that lays in front of you. And if I can interfere, stand in the way, and do everything I can to get you sidetracked with eye candy, I can get you in another bondage and put you in another form of slavery, and you may not even notice. Wow. What did Jesus say? He has anointed me to preach liberty to the captive, to set at liberty those that are captive. So we have to take the ground and not let it be given back again. I must say I am concerned that in our country there are too many people who in the name of freedom are willing to give away the ground that was captured in the name of freedom because they have confused what freedom is versus what licentiousness is. Here's one of the things that Jefferson wrote in a letter to William S. Smith, a diplomatic official in London, on November the 13th, 1787. This is after the American Revolution. They're working on the Bill of Rights in the Constitution. And he says, The tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. It is its natural manure. What's he saying? In order for freedom to be maintained, there must be a fight. Because tyrants are always interested in taking freedom. And people who have tasted of freedom always must be willing to take a stand and fight back against the tyrants. Because tyrants are the irreducible, constant enemy of freedom. And who's the biggest tyrant of them all? Lucifer. Satan, the great dragon, he stands against us as a tyrant. And Jesus said, the whole world lies in the evil one. They're under his command and control. But I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. I've come to set people free. Offered. Not only defended, but it needs to be offered. As I've quoted Jesus already twice this morning, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. The thing about freedom is it must be offered. And aren't you glad Jesus came to talk about freedom and to offer freedom and to do something about freedom? It has to be offered, and it's offered as a gift. It's something which always costs the offerer more than the person who's willing to receive it. The offer may be given and the opportunity afforded. It is the response that is critical. That people hear of liberty, people hear of freedom, the most basic light of God, and that they respond rather than, oh, well, that's fine for other people, or that'll never happen in my day, or that won't happen for my family, or that'll never happen for me. I've got to submit to this tyranny. No, the offer must be given. And aren't you glad God's offered it? And others have offered it throughout history. You've been offered freedoms because people made the offer to you. It's the response that is critical. We can't yawn and say, oh, well, that's just freedom. That's who, who cares? 
We as Americans sometimes do that. Meanwhile, there are people around the globe who are saying, are you kidding me? You have the freedom to do that. You can actually criticize your, the government. You can actually talk about what's better and what's not as good. You can actually offer your opinion without anything pushing back. And as Americans, we have to say, well, we used to, but nowadays we get blocked and banned and canceled. We might lose our job. Does that, hello? Does that tell you what's going on? That's the erosion of freedom by tyranny. The offer must be given, but it must be responded to. That's what's critical. And then finally this, the letter M, maximized. Now, let me just ask you this question. Would you prefer that in your life you only had the minimum amount of freedom or the maximum amount of freedom? Which would you rather have? I say, let's take it to the max, baby. I want everything that's offered. I want everything. I want the whole enchilada. I want the whole shebang. I want everything that is offered for me. Freedom has to be maximized. And aren't you glad Jesus is in the business of maximizing the freedom of God? Aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit, yes, give him a hand clap this morning. The Holy Spirit is in the business of maximizing the freedom of God. Romans chapter 8, I'm going to invite the worship team to come back. And as they come back, I want to read this passage of Scripture. And then we're going to have an opportunity for response. We have an opportunity to worship the Lord and look to him, the author of our freedom. But at the same time, look and say, Lord, what am I doing with freedom? How am I managing it? How am I handling it? Am I responding to it? Am I embracing it? Am I maximizing it? And we read this in Romans chapter 8, verse 20 and 21. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated. Don't you like that word? Liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Aren't you glad we don't have to deal with bondage and decay? But what we can deal with is freedom and glory and a standing before God as his sons and his daughters. So as we go into a time of worship and close out this service this morning, you have an opportunity right where you are or up at these altars to respond to this message. It's about freedom. On July the 4th, the day that we talk about the Independence Declaration, we declare our freedom based on certain principles away from another nation that changed it turned out differently for this country like no other why because it had its roots in this idea of the freedom of the spirit of god the freedom of the word of god the freedom of alignment with the god we can ask ourselves this question how do i need to respond am i maximizing that freedom am i standing my ground against the enemy Am I bringing this without fear into the atmosphere of my family and my job and my situation? Am I shining as a light in the darkness of the freedom of God that's first of all in my spirit and then can become real in the world in which I live? What a great day to think about that, a day that's dedicated to freedom and what it really means be free.
We hope that you've been touched by God's grace as you've listened to our podcast today. We'd love to hear your response via email, and the address is podcast at visionchurch.ag, podcast at visionchurch.ag. And if you're in the area and don't have a church home, we'd love for you to come and visit us personally. We're located at 4024 Dakota Trail in Lake Worth, Texas. We together have a vision, seeing Jesus for us, in us, and through us.